It's time to get in the zone. The Fantasy Football Zone. Hey guys, where else would you rather be? Get involved with the show by following us on Twitter at DraftThatGuy. What a piece of that championship. Put it in here. This is the Fantasy Football Zone. And welcome back into the Fantasy Football Zone. And again, join with Corey Smith of Rotowire joining us this week. We are getting so close now. It's finally becoming a reality. And, uh, you know, with everything going on, it looks like a good escape with football is coming up for us. No doubt about it. It's definitely a, uh, a break. Two drafts down. I got one left to go. I know probably a lot of our listeners are right in the uh, heat of draft season here. So some last-minute advice, and we've got some storylines from camp that will potentially impact some draft positions here. Yeah, and of course, everything we know is affected with the coronavirus going on this year. And that was one of the questions I had. I was wondering... You know, are they expanding rosters any bit or not? Because traditionally, this is the time where we got to watch the waiver wire, and we've already had one big surprise uh, getting cut, and we're going to talk about that coming up here. But yeah, usually now, this is where we start seeing some guys here and there trickle down. Every year, there seems to be a couple surprises like, whoa, he got cut. So what is it this year? Is there anything different in, in past years with those roster numbers? Just a slight difference here this year, Paul. They've over the last few years, had just one cut day, as we know, at the end of the summer. Uh, used to be stages throughout the summer. Now, uh, since 2017, the NFL has inherited a style where they go a 90-man roster throughout training camp in the preseason. They cut it down to 53 on uh, one big cut day in early September. This year, they've restricted the roster throughout the summer. Uh, each NFL team has 80 guys on the team all the way up until this upcoming Saturday, September 5th will be the big cut day where teams have to get all the way down to 53 from 80 players. Yeah, I'm st- I'm still kind of surprised they're keeping it at 53, with just with everything going on, the possibility. So, I, I mean, I, I would assume their taxis, you know, their uh, practice squads or whatnot will probably be maybe bigger. I don't know, but I, I'm still surprised at 53 number. Not that that's going to affect you so much in fantasy, but just for team's sake, I, I'm surprised they haven't let that go a little bit this year. You would think they'd pull it up by a few guys. I know the 16-man uh, practice squad this year, so I'm sure there will be, for all teams, people fluttering in and out of the lineup, you know, mm-hmm. Friday and Saturday. And we're yet to see, Paul, you know, the NFL has done a really good job of handling this. I know putting together the show sheet this week, I checked last week, there was just two cases across the entire NFL, two guys on the restricted list, but we haven't really seen how the travel dimension comes into this. And, of course, we had Kirk Cousins today saying he doesn't care, really. It, you know, that, that's got to be alarming for Vikings guys in the locker room and really just guys across the NFL. So hopefully that's not the attitude inherited. Yeah, and the testing numbers, they're up. I mean, they're up in the 20,000s, I think I saw, or something from all over the league that they have tested so far. And uh, with those results – uh, coming in, I mean, that's fantastic news, especially for the season. But you did say, you know, that's the key thing. Mm-hmm. They're going to start traveling around here and going all over the place. And that's when we're going to find out. We found out in baseball. That's when the issues started happening. So hopefully they can control that as best they can when they start hitting the road here for the regular season. And we've seen the bubble works unquestionably. The NHL and NBA both had great success. Really, the only lapses are guys going out, you know, breaking the barrier to get some Uber Eats or something. That's yep. the only guy got kicked out for that in the NBA, pretty much. Got to get those uh, wings. Got to get it, baby. Got to, got to eat up. You know, I respect it, but we'll see. I mean, with the NFL traveling, I still think they can keep it in check, but 
really who the heck knows. It is so much an individual by individual situation. Just takes one person lapse of judgment to really affect the whole team. The NFL has put a little bit of flexibility in the place with the schedule, though. They can push the Super Bowl all the way back to late February, probably around the 28th, or even cancel the Pro Bowl, uh, according to Sports Business Journal. That's a possibility. So there is a little bit of flexibility built in here, should they have to delay a week or two throughout the season. All right, so we're we're talked about that, just addressing that because it might, you know, play an effect this year. So we're getting that on the forefront here. But now the big news that happened, and we're gonna talk about the, you know, some training camp notes here. Leonard Fournette, the big news came. He was released by Jacksonville. He cleared waivers, so now he's a free agent. I am I was shocked by this. How about you? I was definitely shocked at the timing of the move. Uh you would think they could definitely still get some utility out of Fournette this year if they're trying to win games. I know he's not exactly what offensive coordinators around the NFL are looking for. You know, kind of a bulldozing, big body back. He hasn't been uh, spectacularly efficient. Uh, 4.0 yards per carry for his career. But yeah, Paul, I mean, it was a little bit perplexing at the time of the timing of the decision. Of course, uh, they also part ways with Ngakwe, which we'll touch on, but mm-hmm. just, yeah, man, it <laughs> It seems like a clown show down there at times in Jacksonville. The management, some of these draft picks. I mean, this is a guy they took number four overall, Paul. This guy is just 25 years old. Yeah. Man, that is tough. That is tough. And I, it's hard for me to see it. I hate to say the word, but any other way than tank, frankly, because they are in position to maybe get Trevor Lawrence out of Clemson. So that's really the only uh, football <laughs> reasoning that I can make for this move from the Jaguars perspective because I still think he has something to offer them. And it's not like he was a bust with that fourth overall play. I mean, he put production. I think he carried him that offense in the AFC Championship game a couple years ago. And I know the comparison as well. Christian McCaffrey was four picks later in that same draft. But, uh, you know, coming out of college, Fournette, he was the top back. So I, I, I just don't understand the move here, why they would cut at this point in the season in training camp. And I know they tried to trade him and nobody wanted him. And like we said, too, he passed through waivers. So there mu- there must be something out there from league circles on why he's not getting a ch- chance. Who would you go with as maybe a front runner that he might sign with? A couple of teams come to mind here. I mean, of course the Bears pop right up. They've got David Montgomery, who style-wise, you know, you can kind of see that with Fournette. Similar kind of style backs. Uh, but they might want to see what they have in Montgomery. He is dealing with a lower body injury. So we'll see how that develops uh, over the next couple weeks. But Chicago is one spot I see. Also maybe uh, Las Vegas. I know Josh Jacobs, downhill runner, more explosive overall player, just you know, an ascending superstar. But I could also see Fournette making sense with the Raiders. I don't know if you had a couple spots in mind, Paul, but that's an offense that really runs a lot for a 2020 NFL offense i can see maybe the raiders is another option for fournette if he's willing to be a number two back i don't know if they will but seattle always seems to be in the market for backs um i i don't know if they'll make a play for him or not and of course there's always the patriots who i i don't know i mean they tried lamar miller sounds like you know the pop list or they're trying to work him in in that crowded backfield i don't know if that's a Belichick wants to go the bruising style this year with the, the revamped offense and everything, but uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they ended up in any of the places we mentioned. I can see the Patriots as well. The thing is, just through his fantasy value, it, it takes a huge hit here because, you know, 
he was going fourth, fifth round. Let's see here. Somewhere in that range. Yeah. Kind of yep. a good value for Fournette for a guy who was going to be the top back for his team. And now, where else is he going to be the centerpiece of an offense is my question. I mean, he really did have a perfect situation with the Jags. They don't have a ton to work with offensively, and it seemed like he was going to get a lot of work this year. That's the thing about his fantasy value. I think he's still you know, the same caliber player. Not really what offensive coordinators are looking for necessarily, but it definitely drops his fantasy value. To me, he's now like a sixth-round pick. It's just so uncertain. Sixth, seventh-round pick, I don't know. I'm, I'm definitely uncertain and concerned about Fournette right now. All right, so now I guess if you're really desperate and you need starting running back, who out of those Jaguar backs do you go with or do you just stay away from the whole situation altogether right now if you're drafting and you're deep and you need somebody, you know for sure that guy is going to be a starter. Who do you go with? Now, it's a deeper league. I think that the top first and second down back is going to end up being Raquel Armstead. He got some work last year. Uh, They also brought in Chris Thompson, course a pass catching guy he's not going to be there between the tackles back uh i don't know in a ppr league i may consider thompson in a deeper league in like a 14 12 team league he's somebody that may have some flex value in ppr but it looks like my bet is on armstead at this at this moment Devon zigbo is also a guy who's played for the saints previously doesn't have a ton of regular season experience but he's in the mix I'm not, I'm not rushing to the waiver wire, Paul. I mean, I have the opportunity to maybe put in a claim for Armstead this week. You know, you drafted the guys you drafted for a reason, and I'm not in love with this Jaguars backfield. I think they're going to be throwing a lot late in games because they are seemingly in tank mode. So I'm not in love with this backfield, but maybe Chris Thompson and Armstead is deeper league guys. And we're going to stay at running back position now, transition over to the Saints. Salvin Kamara making news. Uh, sounds like maybe some contract issues. And then also, I read a report, too, there could be some kind of a back issue where he had to take a big shot for that, and maybe it's a little more major than uh, leading on to be. So there's a lot of uncertainty to one of the top backs coming off the board uh, so far in all the drafts. This is definitely interesting timing. So three straight days of unexcused absences from Kamara's camp, but saying that there's no intended holdout, he's going to play, he's back in practice today. Uh, he's reportedly been in the building every day, just not practicing every day and having, you know, reps every single day. And now saying he wants a contract. Yeah. One report from Rappaport says, you know, he's not threatening a holdout, which is one thing, but it still doesn't mean he's going to be on the field without a new contract week one. Another hand, you have Josina Anderson saying that the Saints are open to trading Kamara. <laughs> so at this point, it's yeah. really up in the air here. I mean, he could start week one still that I think is the most likely outcome is they get something done and he's out there week one. They're reportedly not too far off. According to NFL Network, they're reasonably close on getting something done. But man, this really makes me more interested in Latavius Murray for one, Paul. I'm not sure. If I'm in that 4-5 slot right now, it's really tricky because you're dealing with both Dalvin Cook and Alvin Kamara, both guys who have question marks next to their names right now. Yeah, and Murray, I'm starting to see he's climbing up a little bit since this news came aboard and you know if they do find the right deal i wouldn't be surprised if the saints trade them of course i i don't know to where but who would want to uh you know who would has the system set up for kamara right now to use them but 
I, I mean, someone I'm sure will with the talent he has. I, I, that back issue, though, that does concern me a little bit that they said he had to take this shot. And I, I read from Ross Tucker, too, on NFL. He, he responded to that rap, one of the Rappaport reports that, uh, yeah, he's like, that's not a minor thing. So if you're Kamara, take any offer they give you. That's kind of the gist of what he was saying today. So I, it is interesting to watch that. If you're in that fourth spot today, what are you doing, Paul? Are you taking him? Are you taking your chances? Are you going with Cook? Or are you going Henry or maybe even Michael Thomas and then go running back crazy in your 2-3-4 pick? That's, what are you thinking if you're in that fourth spot right now? That's a tough spot to be in because the the Cook, I'm not, you know, the, the injury history, he always scares me. With this Kamara news, I guess I go with Henry because, I mean, he's the workhorse to prove it, rushing champ and all that, so I – you know, I know he's not going to have the huge PPR numbers like Kamara would have, but I think I might take Henry just because he's a Sherlock and he's going to see a lion share that Titans offense right now. I can see that. And they got, of course, Deion Lewis out of the mix. He's with the Giants now. So maybe some more pass catching work for Henry coming this year. Up next, a huge injury for defense. Uh, the up and coming, you know, pretty standard, pretty good defense in the, the uh, Chargers. Derwin James, huge injury, and uh, he's going to be out a while. He's going to be out a while now. They could have gone two different routes, reportedly. Uh, Initially, this was not thought to be a knee injury. It was thought to be a hamstring, later confirmed to be a meniscus. They can go two routes. They can go with what would be probably about a month absence if they were to trim trim around the injury and kind of band-aid the situation for this season. Derwin James, of course, missed 11 games last year. He dealt with injuries at Florida State. So what they've elected to do is the long-term perspective here. They're going to go with the full meniscus repair for NFL's Mike Garofalo. He's going to be out six to eight months, so pretty much that's it for him for 2020. Stress fracture in his foot last August, so that means just five games for Derwin James in 2019 and 2020. And that, to me, it really changes the upside of this defense, both pro football and fantasy football-wise. I mean, this is an all-pro-type talent. Swiss yeah. Army knife, he can come down in the box and defend against the run. He can drop back in the coverage. He can get all over the field. So this, to me, is a big injury. Definitely changes the dynamic of that defense, and it lowers their ceiling in fantasy because this is a guy who can generate takeaways. So big injury for the Chargers. Well, yeah, I think a big reason why their defense was, where you know, fantasy-wise, where they are kind of the upper part of defenses is because of him and, you know, with that secondary and with him out, yeah, I think they take a big hit now. Definitely. It's still with pass rushers and yeah. Ingram and Bosa up front. And uh, they take the linebacker this year uh, with the early pick. But, yeah, that's a big miss. I mean, they still have good corners. I mean, Chris yeah. Harris and Hayward, those are good corners. But, I mean, losing an all-pro safety, there's no question. That's going to that's gonna hurt. Another defense that gets improved, and they're starting to climb up now a little bit, is uh, the Minnesota Vikings and Yannick Nagaku. Uh, they made the big trade for him with Jacksonville after he uh, he just basically wanted out of there. He's done with the Jaguars. Can't blame him with the things they've been doing lately, and uh, this is a big upgrade for uh, fantasy defense for Minnesota. It's ugly. I mean, Jalen Ramsey and Hard Knocks, he said, Getting away from Jacksonville was the best day of my life. And he's, this is a man who's married. He's got children. He's been to an AFC championship game with the Jaguars. But he didn't enjoy his time there very much. And uh, Ngakwe took a $6 million pay cut to make this happen. And he played he his also, college football in Tallahassee. So, I mean, that tells you everything. 
it tells you everything <laughs> you need to know. Yeah, it's it's a dumpster fire, seemingly in Jacksonville a lot of the time, in the front office and the operations. But for Minnesota's perspective, this gives them an elite duo at all three levels of their defense. They got Daniel Hunter and Ngakwe rushing off the edges up front, Eric Kendricks and Anthony Barr in the middle, the UCLA tandem. And then at safety, you've had Anthony Harris has really come on the last couple of years. And Harrison Smith, really, since being drafted out of Notre Dame, has been a Pro Bowl caliber safety. So, really, at all three levels, they got two pretty much star players. So, in exchange, the Vikings send over a 2021 second round pick and a conditional fifth rounder for 2022. And I think, I think the Vikings got the better end of the deal, frankly. Second round pick for a yeah. star player at this juncture of the season. That's a good return, but still, I mean, this is a guy who has eight sacks in every year as a pro. That's pretty impressive, Paul. I mean, eight sacks for four straight years to start your career. There's not a lot of guys that can do that. And I think it does help out their defense big time because they have some pretty young corners coming in that uh, they're going to have to bank some rookies that are going to be, uh, I think Jeff Gladney is going to be one of them that they took uh, early or uh, kind of in the late uh, first or second round, if I remember that one. But uh, they've got a very young second on the corners part. They're set at safety, but I think that with the pass rush, this is going to help this defense. And do you think now they're they're in that top five range that should be coming off the board? I think they're close to it. Now, looking at the board, it's hard to think of who you're going to push them in front of. I mean, we still got some pretty stacked defenses in front of them. Now, certainly I think the Patriots, for one, are being overdrafted. The Patriots are being drafted around the fifth spot. Yeah. That is terribly overrated for me. I mean, they've had opt-outs. Yep. That's uh, all based on last that's, year. That's all in name. Yep, that's all based on last year's history. And like we say with defenses, you throw that out. I'm putting them probably around that 5-6 spot. I see them in that range for sure. The Ravens, similarly, you know, they lose Earl Thomas. It seems like year after year. You know, the last couple of years, they lose star guys, but Wink Martindale finds a way. So I, I do see them in that range with the Ravens, honestly, around that four, five, six spot among fantasy defenses. Again, we know to wait. I mean, if someone's going to reach on the Vikings defense, we're going to wait for someone else. But I see them in that four, five, six range right now. Other training camp notes, uh, wide receiver front, the Raiders, Tyrell Williams. We thought maybe he was going to make it to uh, mm-hmm. play through injury. Ah, uh, no, he's placed on season-ending IR. We did. I mean, this time last week, we were thinking reports were coming out that he was going to play through a shoulder injury this, this season. After kind of working through it and rehabbing, it just didn't seem feasible for this year. So with the torn labrum, Tyrell Williams has been put on season-ending IR, as you mentioned. So that's a hit for them, but it's not a huge fantasy impact. Not a huge fantasy impact in terms of its dispersion of targets to the rest of the offense. Williams is kind of a low-volume, you know, big-play guy. Just 66 targets last year in 16 games. So not a ton for a number two receiver. Uh, now it's going to be Renfro or Ruggs, I think, who's going to get a little bit more value out of Williams being out. Of course, you never root for injury. Mm-hmm. Hoping he comes back as soon as possible. But if anything, I think Renfro and Ruggs now get a little bit of uptick in their value. I know Ruggs is a guy that you, Paul, really like this year coming out of Alabama. Yeah, I was just just coming in. I thought maybe he's their deep ball threat, and with now another spot, you know that they've got they fill with him because they don't have anyone else. I think it might help him out. But Renfro's intriguing too. Is he like an Edelman type where maybe for PPRs we can expect him to maybe have those ten, twelve catch games and go for like eighty yards or something like that? I think he's going to get closer and closer to that. Now he did have a couple of drops last year for sure, but. 
also averaged five and a half targets per game across 13 appearances, and he is expected to be deployed primarily as their number one slot guy this year. So especially with Carr's style, we've mentioned his average depth of target is one of the lowest among quarterbacks in the NFL. That plays favorably in Renfro's favor as a fantasy guy. So I do think that in PPR, you're not going to get a ton of yardage out of Renfro necessarily per catch, but definitely bigger PPR asset than standard for Renfro. And then Ruggs is probably the reverse for me. I see Ruggs as more of a standard play than a PPR. This is a guy who absolutely flies. He came up just short of breaking John Ross's 40-yard combine record, a 4-2-7 40-yard dash, 17.5 yards per catch, but he's averaged just 43 catches per season over the past two years. I mean, certainly nothing to sneeze at in a college season, but I don't see him being like a 60-70 catch guy rugs. But he does score a lot of touchdowns. He averaged eight per season at Alabama and a big play guy. We've seen the precedence of an Alabama rookie going to the Raiders and having success. <laughs> Amari Cooper was wide receiver 21 the year that he came out. I don't know. Over under on that number, Paul, are you thinking under that? Is, would that be a little bit lofty for Ruggs at 21? Yeah, I think it might be this year. And, and you said a key word back there too, John Ross, and that just scared me now. Of course. Yeah, that, that does not help. That does not help. But yeah, I would agree with you. I'd take the under. I think that's definitely a lofty expectation. Cooper, a more refined prospect overall, perhaps, coming out of Alabama. And, you know, Ruggs, probably in that 35-40 range among receivers. We shall see. But definitely a big play guy that I like in standard this year. And is there, I mean, what else do they have for the receiving core there? Because, you know, they were decimated last year with the whole Brown thing and then just, you know, injuries. And I mean, they have Waller at tight end. That was basically their wide receiver one. Uh, who else? I mean, they had a pretty active draft. Who else could they look at? They also bring in Brian Edwards this year, a third-round pick out of South Carolina. This is a big guy, 6'3". He's got the body to box people out in the red zone. And I think that it's actually going to be, when they get down close, it's going to be mostly him and Waller that are Carr's targets inside the 10, inside the 20-yard line. We know that Jacobs hasn't really provided much in the passing game, just 20 catches last year, 27 targets across 13 appearances for the rookie back last year. So, yeah, the third name to mention at receiver, it's going to be Brian Edwards, the third-round rookie. And I like him and Waller as the red zone targets. Uh, but, you know, Edwards more of a deep league sleeper. Waller, we consider top five or six tight end right now. All right. Let's get more training camp notes. We're up to the kicker portion. Steven Hoshka cut by the Bills. And the rookie Tyler Bass is in. What's this all about? The rookie is in. And uh, he's come from southern Georgia. So <laughs> I saw this guy a little bit last year. Uh, one or two games. Uh, embarrassingly enough, I, I did watch a couple of Georgia Southern games last year. He's got a boot. He can make kicks from deep. But I just wanted to throw this in here for just a quick kicker segment to show how even the field is. I mean, I think this is kicker news, but I wanted it to get us jump-started. There's only you know three guys who are really maybe four difference makers at the position, if you want to call them that. But top to bottom, there's almost no separation here, just like a defense. Even the tactic I've heard from ESPN's Mike Clay, he will literally, if, he, if his website, whatever he's drafting on, will allow him not to draft a kicker or a defense, he will do that. Or he'll draft a kicker or a defense with his last two picks, cut them, 
pick up guys that he likes off the waiver wire and then pick up a kicker last minute <laughs> to throw in. Just because if you're looking at the number four kicker in fantasy to the number 11 kicker, it's less than a difference of a half point per game. So really the only guys worth noting are Butker for KC, Will Lutz for New Orleans, and Justin Tucker for Baltimore. You expect Matt Gay for Tampa Bay to get a lot of attempts, but everyone who comes in and wears that Bucks uniform a kicker since Matt Bryant has seemingly been wildly inconsistent. Mm-hmm. So really there's just a couple difference makers, but again, this stat is just to prove top to bottom, it's about a half point difference from the fourth best kicker to the eleventh best. So it's a last round pick virtually every situation. Unfortunately, I've seen people jumping on Justin Tucker like in round twelve, thirteen. Gotta lock him down. You gotta have that kicker. <laughs> I I guess I thank you for that because it pushes more to me. I, I guess uh, that helps out the rest of the roster. Definitely. I mean and the thing is, okay, so you get a kicker who's gonna average one point more per game than my kicker, but then I get one or two extra shots at yes. a running back, a rookie running back, a second-string running back, uh, you know, uh, Henry Ruggs, J.K. Dobbins. And Keel Harry, like you've your... mentioned. I've noticed he is going way deep, too. So, I mean, there's another Harry, guy. Yeah. It's just another shot at getting a top-10 player at a position where it's actually going to make a difference versus kicker where you know it's going to be a one- or two-point difference across the span of the whole season. Up next, let's talk about the Jets wide receiver. Do we have to talk about the Jets wide receiver? I mean, I don't want to touch any of these guys right now. I'm out. I think I'm out, Paul. I mean, maybe Crowder in PPR. We saw him last year, I think week one. He had like 14 catches for 99 yards. Uh, Of course, didn't do that again the rest of the season. But he's an okay PPR, you know, deeper league PPR guy. He may turn out all right in PPR. They don't have a lot of other options now. They've got more guys hurt than they have in the lineup, seemingly. Jets receivers dealing with injury. Rashad Perriman, Denzel Mims, Vincent Smith. A couple other guys you haven't heard of, probably. And then healthy receivers, they've got Crowder, Braxton Berrios, the Patriots cast off. Chris Hogan, who's now literally played for every team in the AFC East. Josh Malone, Dante Moncrief. Yeah, this Jets uh, wide receiver core. If I'm taking someone, it's Crowder. Yeah, but I'm mostly I'm mostly staying away. I mean, Mims, he's intriguing, but Alan, I I did he just come back to practice? I think, but still, I don't I don't know if I trust Denzel Mims yet. Maybe in Dynasty as a pickup, uh, developmental. If you can keep a high number of players from year to year, you yes. may have more intrigue there. But no, not for this year. I don't think I'm leaning more Crowder if I'm taking a Jets receiver. Overman. When do you think Adam Gase gets fired this year? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I think he's got to be towards the top of the list of Vegas's odds. Quickest coach to get fired this year. I mean, man, it's just you bring in guys, no matter what talent you develop, it's not, it doesn't mean anything if you can't keep them. And it seems like he's clashed with a few different players over the years. Now we've got crazy eyes Gase going up with Bell. <laughs> Is uh, his star back, and this is not good news if we uh, already drafted Le'Veon Bell. I don't know, Paul. I just did. Oh, no. I did in one league, too. I've got, oh. I've got Le'Veon Bell the first draft I did. Took him. I thought, I mean, they got to use him this year, but they're going at it again already. Oh, great. Classic Jets. So we got Gase. He tells the media that he held Bell out of the inner squad scrimmage because of a hamstring. He had tight hamstrings, apparently. Bell comes back on Twitter. He says, ain't nothing wrong with my hamstring. It's tough to stay loose when you do a bunch of standing around. And I'm used to going. 
So that's not great. I mean, look, oh, they've hashed it up publicly, but you do not like to see like your number two back on your fantasy football team clashing with a coach before they've played a game. I mean, I really like his value because we talked about, we just mentioned all the receivers. Who else are they going to throw to? Sure, he's slower. He took a year off. He's definitely a slower player. But before, he was really a phenomenal talent. Still pretty talented. Not a lot of weapons. But, man, this hurts. I, I wonder if they're just going to, like, bench him to make a point. And I can see oh, that from yeah. Dave, unfortunately. They already tried to bring in Kalen Balage. Yeah, they did. That's right. Yeah, I could see him trying to make a point, Gase trying to put it through, and that is that is going to hurt us in fantasy. Because, Bell, I'm going to guess a lot of people, he's maybe your top, you know, he's running back too, or maybe he's a flex option for you, and now you got to deal with all this going on. I drafted him as my number two back in an auction draft. I really, I really like the value. He's going around the fifth round as a – you know, a snake draft pick, no question. It slides him at least one round. I think if he was going in the fifth, he's got to go, oh, man, it's crazy to say, Le'Veon Bell, yeah. seventh round. I mean, if he was yeah. going in the fifth round, yeah, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm legitimately worried about it because of who Gase is. I'm legit, And both of them, I'm legitimately worried about this situation. Just think, was it two or three years ago, the number one back off the board? I mean, or, I mean, he was just he was one or two. I mean, he was right up there, and now he's fallen down to this portion. And it's not because of injury; it's just because he sat out the season, and then all of a sudden he's come back to the Jets, and he's not in a good situation with the coach. He's not. He's not. He's not playing at the same speed. If you watched yeah, him too, last year, yeah. it did look he like he was a step or two behind his 2017 playing speed, which you'd expect a year off in football, especially volun- you know a voluntary year off. That is that is a big gap. So it showed a little bit, but we like the opportunity. This is red flag, and we got to drop him to round six or seven as a result here. Let's talk about the Bears here. Matt Nagy's uh, not announcing yet who's going to be a quarterback. I don't think anyone, though, is grabbing any one of these guys on their roster or anything like that. No. Is this strategic, do you wonder, or even worse? Is neither of them standing out? I mean, that's the question here. Is this strategic for Nagy? Or is it really just they're equally terrible? I, I think it might be the latter. I've, I've heard from my friend down the hall that's a big Bears fan that Trubisky is not looking great in camp. And either it falls as well as just it's not. I think they're both struggling right now. I unfortunately am not surprised. <laughs> uh, but we'll see. I Foles. You know he's going to have a few hot games in him. Can he stay healthy all year? Can they somehow manufacture this situation to get nine wins and sneak in as a wild card maybe? They went 8-8 eight and eight last year with Trubisky taking every snap practically. Man, if they can just generate something, their defense is still really good. They could get to eight or nine wins and have a chance. You know, that'd be exciting. But Allen Robinson, it seems, is unaffected, Paul, by whoever's playing quarterback. Trubisky, Blake Bortles. It doesn't matter. I think that we're I think we're still confident on Allen Robinson as a backhand receiver one or a really good number two receiver in fantasy this year. Yeah, and they lucked into him. I mean, just by signing him last year, he wasn't a high free agent profile guy because coming off the injury in Jacksonville and for him to end up in Chicago, I mean <laughs> he is their number one guy and he's proven it uh, with last year's totals. 154 targets last year. That is big. That's near, if not slightly more. It's in the neighborhood of DeAndre Hopkins. 
a yeah. target. It's not quite Michael Thomas, but that's a big share. 154 targets, seven touchdowns last year, and over 1,100 yards with Trubisky and some Chase Daniel mixed in as well. In Jacksonville, 2015 and 2016, those years that you mentioned there, Paul, where he showed a lot of promise. Yeah. 150 targets in both of those years, 73 or more catches in both of those years with, with Bortles, and he had 20 combined touchdowns. So he's shown, that, he's shown the talent since the early stages of his career. I believe it was an ACL injury, and he was just totally on the back burner. We, I guess we regard him another super talented player, and he just can't get right with the injuries, but he's proven, he's proven me wrong. He's bounced back, and he's one of the best receivers in the NFL. It's one of the more underrated receivers, it seems. And talking about, uh, you know, the Bears' backfield, David Montgomery, who we've, uh, you know, profiled here, could be a steal in some leagues and situations. The, the diagnosis came out. He's out two to four weeks. So what do we do with the Bears' backfield? How do we treat that? We've got to keep a close eye on this one as week one nears. Now, the Lions, not a great rush defense last year. Bottom 12 in that category. Snacks Harrison out the door, of course. They bring in as many Patriots as they can. That, to me, is a red flag for Patricia's defense. But it's a seemingly good matchup for week one for Montgomery or whoever lines up in the Bears' backfield. Now, I'm certainly not enthused about throwing Montgomery into my week one lineup if it's mixed signals here. But I I'm still wouldn't be surprised here, Paul, if they go after Fournette, if they go after another free agent back here. I'm really interested in seeing this Bears situation unfolding before week one but the answer right now the only guy you could plug in your lineup at all is cohen as a deep league ppr option three cohen you can throw him in maybe as a ppr option in your flex but at this moment if i had to submit my lineup of course i'm keeping montgomery out because this could linger we'll have to keep an eye on this groin injury hopefully it's just a couple more weeks here great job once again Corey smith nfl writer at rotowire.com again fantastic information as you're heading into the draft Touching about a lot of those guys in situations that you might be facing yourself later on in the draft, wondering if it's worth taking this guy or not. Hopefully, maybe some of that information will help you out. Also, again, regarding Leonard Fournette news, yes, it did break right after we record that he's going to the Bucks. so obviously that is going to help that rushing attack situation out as well. All you Ronald Jones owners that uh, thought maybe he might have a big year, well, he's going to be in that timeshare slot with him now, so going to have to look for that in Tampa Bay, and that'll be interesting. Of course, we'll touch on that more in later episodes as well and of course we're getting ready for week one and if you play daily fantasy our next episode all about you gonna be talking about maybe some of those values and maybe the ones that are worth paying the big dollars for to help you get victory in week one in our next episode again you can always follow us on twitter at draft that guy thanks for checking us out it's fantasy football zone subscribe to the fantasy football zone and give us a five-star rating while you're at it follow us on twitter at draft that guy Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Football Zone podcast.